Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their first ever collection of humorous stories, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Laughter is the Best Medicine, 101 Feel-Good Stories. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I hope you're safe and well and uh, during this pretty much uh, shelter-in-place directive. I am fine. I I think I was just talking to my husband yesterday. We have about, I don't know, maybe 140 employees at Chicken Soup for the Soul. And as far as we know, everybody's fine and uh, everyone's immediate family members are fine. Also, we closed our offices down early to mid-March, depending on location. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even before we officially shut down the offices, we told people if they weren't comfortable coming to work, they could work from home. And our teams have been amazing. Everybody's been working from home for at least a month now and some people longer than that. And Mm -hmm. uh, we're just humming along. That's interesting. You guys are pretty much very close to the epicenter. And this is interesting because people don't realize somehow how connected we are, but you are very close to New York City. Yeah, I live in Greenwich, Connecticut, and so we are just over the border from New York Mm -hmm. State and Westchester County, where it actually, one of the early hotspots was New Rochelle, New York, and Westchester County, which is only maybe 10 miles from us. Wow. And then there's the city, so like my brother lives in the city, and he tells me his apartment building is almost empty, and it's just so eerie. He said that you just mm-hmm. hear sirens all the time. It's so creepy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, his family is just hiding out in their apartment. They, you know, he tries to go running, but it's hard to maintain social distancing if you're running mm-hmm. around the Central Park Reservoir and somebody passes you, they might brush right by you very close. Right. For me, up in Connecticut. Um, you know, we know we're in the epicenter, and we know that our our hospital that's just a few miles from me is, you know, filled with COVID-19 patients, and we know that we're losing people every day down here. Mm-hmm. Um, but right where we are, it's so peaceful. It's so weird. You know, it's beautifully sunny today. Mm-hmm. There's virtually no airplane noise anymore. We can go out <laughs> for long walks. We see the deer, yeah. you know. Like the right. only thing we worry about is if we take a walk in the woods, are we going to disturb, you know, a mother bear with her cubs? Like that to us right. is a bigger danger than COVID-19 because we're sitting in our house. So it's mm-hmm. really strange to know what's going on around us, and yet we're sitting here so safe. And um, I'm just working with my team. Everybody's in their homes, and we're just creating our books for the future and Mm-hmm. We're all working harder than ever because there's no socializing. There's no driving to work. There's no <laughs> running out to do an errand. There's no going out and getting lunch. I've I've lost right. a few pounds. My husband has lost a few pounds. Oh, because, my God. 
But we're so busy that we can't even find the time to go downstairs from our offices down to our kitchen to actually get something to eat. We're we're both mm-hmm. exhausted every day. Like working at home is so much harder. We're so we're we're so efficient that we never stop working. Oh, that's funny because usually at home that's when you gain all the weight. <laughs> I know, but if you can't even make it down to your kitchen, I mean, some days I'm eating lunch at three because oh. I started at my desk at ten and I could never make it mm-hmm. down the steps to the kitchen. Uh, but we are really productive and we're making some terrific books for the future. And oh my gosh, it's it's hard being a publisher right now because, as you know. Basically, all the bookstores in the English-speaking world are closed, you know, Mm -hmm. and have been for a month or so. And we have very few places now where consumers can come face to face with our books. And when you sell books, Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of how you sell books is based on what's called discoverability. You know, we have these very striking book covers, and we want people to see them in the stores and walk across and say what is this book with this smiling alpaca face on the cover, which is the book we're (laughs) going to talk about today. And so we don't have that discoverability going for us if people are just going to order online, but of course they can, and we hope they will order online. To actually see the books, you've got to go to Walmart or Target Mm -hmm. or, you know, call your local bookstore and they'll bring them out to you, you know, at your car at the sidewalk, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you can't go in and discover books. So these are really upsetting times for us publishers. For example, the book we're talking about today, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Laughter is the Best Medicine. This is one of my favorite books that we've ever made, and I've done 165 Chicken Soup for the Soul books now. And mm-hmm. I am just heartbroken that this book isn't going to be discovered by people walking into a store and finding it there because Mm -hmm. I had such high hopes for this book and really wanted to share these stories with, you know, hundreds of thousands of readers. Mm -hmm. I have no Mm -hmm. idea what will happen since it's just gone on sale today, April 14th. We'll see how much people discover it and whether they will find it on store shelves you know, two months from now, mm-hmm, three months mm-hmm. from now, when everybody's open again. I think so, because the book is just beautifully made. Uh, it's very engaging. I mean, and not only that, we need to find humor in everything we do. I certainly do that. And sometimes we need something to just sort of engage us to get in that mode, because sometimes the plus and minus side of being quarantined, the plus side is that for the first time, we're allowed to sort of spend time on ourselves. The minus side is that our brain didn't make the shift. So we're always worried about yesterday, tomorrow. That doesn't mean that we don't need to worry about those days, uh, especially for tomorrow. But today is the day of planning. Today is the day for self-nourishment. And I have to tell you this, the chicken soup, laughter is the best medicine, is an excellent nourishment for the soul right now because it really helps you to find humor in everything that you do because people can relate to the various stories. So I'm really, really excited for you guys and congratulations on this release. Well, I, I just laughed so hard when I was putting together <laughs> this laughter is the best medicine book. It, it's the first humor collection we've ever made. 
Mm-hmm. And it came about because I was talking to one of our regular contributors, and she was talking about a time when her husband was, I don't know what he was doing, changing a light bulb or doing something up in the ceiling, and they had one of those tray ceilings, you know, where there's like that overhang that's around the edge of the room, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. you'd have to climb a ladder and then kind of get off the ladder and into this tray ceiling to reach something. Mm-hmm. And her husband got up into the tray ceiling, but then couldn't figure out how to to come back down the ladder. And he was stuck mm-hmm. up there. And here you have a <laughs> middle-aged couple, and he's up there totally embarrassed. She can't figure out how to position the ladder for him. And she ended up calling the fire department to come and get him down, and he was so embarrassed. But it was such a funny story. She told me that story, <laughs> and I said, I think we should make a book about humor stories so that I can publish your story, Nancy Panko. Mm-hmm. And we did. But how ironic that we have a book out with, you know, medicine in the title, Laughter mm-hmm. is the Best Medicine. And it comes out, well, you know, 95% of the country is hunkered down at home trying not to get this virus or spread this virus. And I just want to make sure that nobody thinks that we were being flippant when we made it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I cringe a little when I look at the marketing language I put on the back cover. It says, you know, do a news cleanse for a few days. Well, what I was really talking about when I wrote that was the Democratic primaries. Oh, my God, right. I was so tired of hearing about <laughs> the primaries and politics and this and that. And I was really thinking about that when I wrote this language saying, you know, if laughter is the best medicine, then then, then this right. is your prescription. Um, I had no idea that, you know, the politics were going to fly out the window and we were just going to be talking about coronavirus <laughs> the day that this book came out. But I do have to say, I was talking to um, a really good therapist, psychologist I know, Dr. Mike Dow, who actually made a great book with us a couple of years ago. And he at one point said something that really struck me. He said, you can experience multiple and conflicting emotions at the same time and not feel somehow ashamed. And he was talking Mm -hmm. about grieving and how even while in the depths of grieving, you could experience joy and laughter also, and that that's fine. You have Mm -hmm. permission to do that. And so I've adopted that attitude when it comes to chicken soup for the soul, laughter is the best medicine. As much as we're worried, as much as we know people who have been lost to coronavirus or have lost someone, people who have lost their jobs, lost their businesses, can't get through to the unemployment people, can't get the government loan, you know, all the bureaucratic things, or they've waited Mm -hmm. 36 hours in line for the covid test and they ran out of swabs by the time they got to the front of the line whatever it is there's a lot of horrible stuff going on we are allowed to feel the trauma and the despair for what's going on out there and at the same time we are allowed to read a funny story and laugh out loud and feel that joy so that is the environment into which we have released chicken soup for the soul laughter is the best medicine and i cannot stop laughing when i look at these stories i mean as i was editing the book i would have read a story three times already i'm editing the story so i'm deeply inside the story picking it apart 
And it would still <laughs> make me laugh out loud. I sounded like a lunatic sitting in my home office while my husband was sitting outside and hearing me laughing hysterically over these stories. <laughs> That's wonderful. Tell you what, let's get into the stories themselves. Uh, but before we do that, let's do this. Let's tell everyone the various chapters in the book. I love the title, so just tell us how you came up with them. Oh, sure. So <laughs> this book is basically a tour of everything that goes wrong, everything that's embarrassing, <laughs> all those stories we tell on our family members, our friends, and also on ourselves, most importantly. And so yeah. the first chapter is about domestic disasters, those things that happen while you're at home. Very relevant, right? Second mm -hmm. chapter is called That Was Embarrassing. Uh, third chapter is called Parenthood, which, you know, parenthood is inherently <laughs> very funny because of all the crazy things that happen. Um, chapter four is called Happiness Ever Laughter instead of Happiness Ever After. So that's about <laughs> marriage, romance. Chapter five is Pets and Other Creatures. A lot of funny stories about dogs and cats and some mm -hmm. of the other creatures that might have crept in. <laughs> Chapter six is really funny stories of Dakin identity. Um, Chapter seven I called Work Whoops, and it's about those funny, embarrassing moments that happen in the workplace. Chapter eight is laughing at ourselves because those are the best stories, right, when we tell them mm -hmm. on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Chapter 9 is child's play about all of those embarrassing things that your kids have done to you. Um, <laughs> chapter 10 is about when you just get something wrong, and so it's called Not What I Meant. You know, when we say something and it didn't come out right, and we're so embarrassed and everybody's laughing, and they're, you know, it's those funny misunderstandings. And then chapter 11 is called Innocently inappropriate, and that's those. <laughs> I I would say um, not so clean, embarrassing moments. <laughs> and then chapter twelve is family fun, and it's about you know moments that happen between mm -hmm. siblings and uncles and parents, and just some of those things that happen within families that end up being everyone's favorite story to tell over and over again. <laughs> The wonderful, wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their first-ever collection of humorous stories, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Laughter is the Best Medicine, 101 Feel-Good Stories. Well, Amy, let's dive into the book. Like I say again, I love the title. I love everything, the artwork and so forth. And let's start off with the very first chapter, Domestic Disasters. And I love this one, Home Alone by, Je by Jennifer Clark. So Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Clark Vile was in her bathroom and her very noisy bathroom fan was going and she thought, oh, I'm going to have to get that fixed. Um, but even though the fan was making a huge amount of noise, all of a sudden she heard this intruder pounding on her bathroom door, 
and she could see the intruder's shadow through the crack at the bottom of the door. Now, Jennifer's dogs were outside, and she was home alone. So she was terrified because somehow an intruder had gotten into the house. And so she looked around the bathroom, and the only weapon she could find was a hair clip with one of those sharp metal points on it. So she armed herself with this hair clip weapon, and then she thought about turning off the fan so that she could hear the intruder better, but then she was worried that if she turned it off, the intruder would figure out that there was somebody in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So finally, when a few minutes had gone by and the intruder hadn't pounded on the bathroom door again, she mustered up her courage because she knew that her cell phone was just a few feet away from the bathroom door. It was sitting on a charger. And so she thought, all right, I'm going to open the bathroom door really quietly. I've got my hair clip dagger. I'm going to make a dash for my cell phone and I'm going to call 911. So finally she, you know, opens the door and I could just, I'm imagining her holding up her hair clip dagger, like it's, you know, a knife and psycho. And She's, you know, she pokes her head out because she's going to, you know, look for the intruder, make a dash for her cell phone to call for help. And what does she see but her robot vacuum, silent now and stuck <laughs> under the low crossbar of a nearby chair? Isn't that funny? <laughs> I I laughed so hard. And, I mean, since then, I've actually seen like a YouTube video of some cops right. called to somebody's house. You know, I have one of those robot vacuums also. Um, yeah, they do. They do tend to when they're new, people aren't thinking, oh, it's the vacuum. Right, right, right. And not only that, too, I think uh, depending on what time of the day that you run it, you can see a shadow. It's like someone it's outside. Yeah, and it pound it will pound on the door because it will hit the door, move away, hit the back, door yeah, again. Yeah. It really yeah. sounds like it's trying to get in. <laughs> chapter two, the the title of the chapter is that was embarrassing, and this is another wonderful story breakdown at Bachelorsville by Wendy Hobday Ho. So Wendy was growing worried one day because her husband Chuck had gone out to do some errands and he still hadn't returned home and it was already, you know, becoming night. And finally he called and he told her that his brand new truck had died in the middle of a long bridge that was across a nearby lake. Um, and he was pulling a trailer because he had borrowed his son's trailer to pick up some construction materials for some work they were doing. Um, so even though it was a brand new truck and it had broken down, because he was pulling a trailer, his insurance wouldn't cover towing the truck. And so he had to pay to have the truck towed to their house so where he could then unhook the trailer, unload all the tools from the truck, and then he could have it towed to the dealer the next day for free because the dealer – um, had to tow it for free, of course, because it was a brand new truck and it had mm-hmm. broken down. So um, they had to pay, I think, $120 for the first towing. And then at least the second towing would be free. But then Chuck called Wendy the next day 
with the report on what the dealer found, and it took her a moment to comprehend what he was saying um, because he said, well, there's not really anything wrong with it. And she said, well, then why did it break down? And then Chuck said, well, um, the guy said our truck worked just fine um, once they put some gas in it. And so, <laughs> and by the way, the second towing, I think, cost them $80, so they'd spent $200 because her husband ran out of gas in his new truck. I guess he didn't know where the gas gauge was or something. And uh, And ironically, at the end of that bridge where he broke down, there was a gas station he could have walked to to get some gas. So uh, she said he's never lived it down. And, of course, being a wife, she would like to tell that story a lot. She shared it with all our readers, and I loved it. <laughs> well, you know, you're looking for something funny about your spouse, so this is it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have a favorite story in that chapter as well? Um, let me think about that. Let's see. This was that that was embarrassing chapter. Um, oh yes. Um, story twelve, um, which is called Restaurant Rules, and so this was really funny because, um, this was um Heather Ray Roden, and she and her husband were taking their little girls to a restaurant. And they were warning the little girls to behave because it was a really nice restaurant. And Heather was pregnant. So the moment they got to the restaurant and to their table, she excused herself and went off to the ladies' room. So in this ladies' room, there's this, like, Statue of David kind of statue, Mm -hmm. you know, this naked guy statue with a little fig Mm -hmm. leaf in the place where fig leaves go. Mm -hmm. And the fig leaf was on a hinge. So when she was alone, after she washed her hands and she's alone in the ladies' room, she lifts up the fig leaf because she just can't stop herself. And it sets off this really loud alarm. And she was so embarrassed. It was like a joke that the restaurant had put into the ladies' room. And I guess if you were a regular, you knew. So then she thought, well, I can't walk out there because everybody will know I lifted up the fig leaf on the naked man statue to see what's underneath it. So then she waited for some other ladies to come in, and then she just kept washing her hands and washing her hands and washing her hands, waiting so that once they went to the bathroom and washed their hands, she could just slide out right behind them. And so her hands are now like prunes, you know, all wrinkled. And <laughs> finally, the two ladies are leaving. So she slinks out right behind them. But when she gets out the door, she finds all the waiters lined up and everybody's clapping and cheering and smiling at her. And she realizes she's totally busted. Um, <laughs> so that was that was another story in the that was embarrassing chapter. That's really cool. I mean, I wish I was there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she says where it is. It's in Canada somewhere, so you could go and make a special trip there. <laughs> so, guys, uh, it's this is for y'all to. In case you ever run into a statue of Venus, do not pull anything off in the men's. <laughs> that is exactly right. <laughs> 
Chapter 3, Parenthood, Shower Shop by Cassidy Doolittle. This is really cool. Yeah, so Cassie was in the shower, and um, she didn't really approve of using, you know, the iPad as a babysitter, but um, she had noticed that her two-year-old was fascinated watching Baby Shark on the iPad, so she thought, oh, my gosh, let me just you know, compromise my rules as a parent and let him watch this silly thing for another 80 times. And so she thought she could take a shower in peace. So she she's in the shower, you know, basking in five whole minutes of uninterrupted time when she hears this man's voice right outside the shower in her bathroom. And the man's <laughs> voice says, Steve, Steve, is that you? And she froze, like, why was there a man in her bathroom at 10 in the morning asking for her husband? And so, again, we have a woman in the bathroom searching for a weapon. So she found a big bottle of Pantene shampoo, and she's got the bottle in her hand, and she's about to come out and, you know, hit the strange man with the Pantene bottle. And she realizes that it's her son out there, and he's holding the iPad, and he has somehow managed to activate FaceTime and call a guy in accounting at his company. <laughs> and so she comes, she comes out. She's now naked on the iPad, and the guy's going, and it's Randy from accounting. And so she drops to the ground, rolls. Now her little toddler son is laughing hysterically because he doesn't know why his mom is covered with soap bubbles and crawling around on the floor, and she... Finally, takes the Pantene shampoo bottle and knocks the iPad out of her son's hands and then stretches her arm out, trying not to have any part of her showing, and she pushes the end button. And a few hours later, her husband, Steve, got home and said, how was your day? And she said, <laughs> you need to quit your job. We're moving to Wyoming. Please pack a bag. <laughs> Welcome to the 21st century technology, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Things like that does happen, though. So that's really, really funny. It's wonderful. What? Now, I, I'm going to leave this up to you, Chapter 4. Happily ever laughter. Since you guys have been married for a while and so forth, so you choose the best one okay. in this chapter. This story is perfect for me. I'm going to tell you the story, and then I'm going to tell you why it's perfect. So okay. uh, it's story 29. It's called The Invisible Chair. It's by Irene Marin. So Irene uh, had a habit of buying used furniture and stuff for mm -hmm. their home, and her husband mm -hmm. didn't love that she did it, but she saw this used chair that she just loved, and it was so comfortable. So she brought it home, hoping her husband would react okay to it, put it in their living room, moved another chair out. Like Clearly, this was a major change mm -hmm. to the living room. There's a new chair there, and the old chair is gone. And she thought her husband would flip out when he saw that she had brought you know, another piece of furniture home. Mm -hmm. And her husband just kept walking past the chair and never said a word, and it was there for days. So finally she stuck a big, bright pillow on the chair, and her husband still didn't notice. So then a week later she decided to sit in the chair wearing a bikini. And he walked past, and he said, nice bikini. 
he still hadn't noticed the chair. And I <laughs> loved that because one of my husband does this kind of thing. Like he, I don't know, he see, only sees things in his memory or whatever. Like one time mm-hmm. we got a new barbecue and I had to get rid of the old barbecue. And so it was sitting in our driveway by the garage because I was trying to figure out, like, how am I going to get rid of this thing? And it was there for about a week. And then I realized that I could give it to my landscaper because his guys mm-hmm. would want it. And so it disappeared because I had the landscaper take the old barbecue. A week goes by. We're driving home together one night. We, you know, pull into the driveway, pull into the garage, past where the barbecue used to be. <laughs> and, and it hasn't been there for a week. And then my husband goes, when are we ever going to get rid of that barbecue? And so I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> and then another time, another time, he had this really ugly chair at his office in New York. This was a previous company, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his secretary hated this chair and wanted it out of there. And it looked horrible and it destroyed the decor of the office, which had been carefully decorated, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so she finally said, I, you know, can you take this chair home? Well, he loved this ugly, disgusting chair that was this old <laughs> leather chair and the leather was cracked and horrible. But I said, okay, I'll take one for the team. You can send it to me. So somebody delivered, <laughs> delivered it to our house one day. I put it at my husband's desk. Um, and I didn't say anything because <laughs> he knew we were going to move his chair. Mm-hmm. So one night he sat in the chair for two or three hours working then he got up from the chair and he came out to me and he said, are we ever going to get my chair moved here? <laughs> <laughs> so I love the fact that Irene Marin's husband did not notice the new chair. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did. See, this is from the guy's perspective. You know, we, we're trying to cover ourselves. If we say something about the chair, we're definitely be sleeping in the sofa. So we got to mention the bikini deal. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Chapter five, pets and other creatures. Wedding nights blues by Sue Allen Sanders. This is really funny. Yeah, this was cute because um, Sue Allen and her husband had just gotten married, and so they were, you know, they went home to get some stuff and to get ready to leave on their honeymoon the next day. And when they got home, they discovered that the various family members who had been coming in and out and who were supposed to be watching the dog hadn't done such a good job and the dog got out. So they were frantically looking for the dog at midnight. So they're both wearing their wedding attire. You know, he's in his tux, she's in her (laughs) white bridal gown. It's midnight and they're running around their neighborhood. It's also raining. They're running around their neighborhood yelling for their dog whose name happens to be honey so you see this bride Mm -hmm. running around the neighborhood at midnight yelling honey honey where are you honey please come home and so uh, sue ellen says i could feel the pitying eyes of the neighbors who were probably still imagining that i was chasing my new husband that rainy wedding night so i just (laughs) thought that was cute the people would be looking at that being weird, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's really wonderful. 
chapter six, this is really cool. Mistaken identity. And I really like this one because this is one of those things like really, I don't know. It, it, it just puts, a, 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 you know, like, oh, my God, kind of thing. Intentional coffee with an unintentional stranger by Chelsea Walker Flagg. So Chelsea said that she hadn't been very good about keeping up with friends. And she finally decided, I'm going to start checking in with my friends and get back together with them. I have to reverse this crazy thing where I'm, you know, not seeing anybody. So she said to somebody named Laura, who she hadn't seen in well over a year. And, you know, a day later, Laura responded and said, are you sure you're emailing the right person? And Chelsea thought, oh, my gosh, I have really blown it by not (laughs) seeing her for more than a year. I really deserve this. So she writes back, yes, of course I meant you, because she thinks Laura is upset because Chelsea has ignored her for a year. So Laura wrote back and said, well, I'll be wearing a green vest you know, at the coffee shop where you're coming to meet me. And so, again, Chelsea thought, wow, she's really rubbing it in. You know, She's telling me what she's <laughs> going to be wearing because we haven't seen each other for so long. So when Chelsea got to the coffee shop she sees the woman in the green vest and she realizes oh my god it's not laura what am i going to do and so she had two options she could just like run out never look back or she could fake her way through it as though she really had meant to have coffee with this stranger so the stranger already had her coffee so it was so chelsea said okay i'm going to go get mine but then of course the line was really short so chelsea's quickly looking through her sent emails realizes that she sent the email to somebody named Lori not to her friend Laura and then she has to try to figure out like how do I know this Lori person Um, and then she realizes they might have been on the same yoga list for some yoga organization so she keeps talking to Lori not Laura and after 45 minutes says to her, well, you know, you're you're probably wondering why I asked you out to coffee since we don't know each other too well. And then Lori, her face kind of relaxed because she was wondering why. And then Chelsea said, well, um, I just thought I'd look you up as a, as a strong woman in the area. Um, I've made a list of all the strong businesswomen I know, and I'm meeting with them one by one to get inspiration for my own life. And so she got away with it until, of course, she wrote the story for us. But I was remembering one time <laughs> when I got a phone call from a woman, and mm-hmm. she said hello, and she starts chatting with me. And I'm thinking, like, I don't know who this is, but she knows me. So I went along with it, and I'm chatting and trying to figure out who's talking to me. And she's like, how's your family? How's your brother? Like this and that. And I'm answering the questions, and I'm still thinking, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> And then finally she said to me, did I call a wrong number? And I said, yeah. She said, I'm so sorry. We had 10 minutes of of awkward conversation. Well, I tried to figure out, I'm supposed to know this lady. So anyway, I could understand being in that position. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, hey, I get it. It, it just happened. Something almost close to this happened. Mistaken identity, definitely mistaken identity happened to me about a week ago. I was working with a friend and her name is Sophie, S-O-F-I-E. And you know how when you fill out 
an email uh, to kind of respond back, and you have this auto feel, right? Yes. So, and it picks up uh, S O P H I E, Sophie also, but it's a different spelling. So I sent the wrong Sophie the picture that I wanted Sophie. Uh huh. <laughs> So, you know, things like that do happen. And when you look back, this is crazy. And I'm on the phone with Sophie saying, like, okay, did you get it? Uh-huh. <laughs> and of yeah, course there's going to be a not. lot of stories about Zoom, right? All the embarrassing <laughs> right. things that happened on, on Zoom and FaceTime, et cetera, during the coronavirus. Right, right. Because everybody's so, got those, too. Yeah, so it's it's really, really crazy. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their first ever collection of humorous stories, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Laughter is the Best Medicine, 101 Feel Good Stories. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Well, how about this? Chapter 7, I love this because I can relate to this story very, very well. The title is Work, Whoops, and the story is Total Physical Response by Melanie Savidius. That's my favorite story. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) Melanie was teaching English as a second language. And so they were using this method called total physical response where as you're teaching, you do physical things because it really helps to get the words into people's head. And so um, they were making a vocabulary collage. And so she was saying to these boys and girls, um, you know, I'm choosing a magazine and she picks up a magazine. I'm looking through the pictures. She looks through the pages. I'm choosing a nice one. I take my scissors. She picks up her scissors. I cut it out. Now I put it on my paper. So she's telling them in English what she's doing while she's doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and and so, and they're mimicking her. So they're picking up their magazine. They're using their scissors. They're cutting out a picture. They're putting it on the collage. Um, and that's going really well. So then she says, and so, She starts again, I choose a magazine, I look through the pictures, except this time when she looked through the pictures, she saw this huge live cockroach sitting on the page of her magazine. (laughs) And so she screamed and she threw the magazine on the floor and she jumped on top of the roach to kill it. Well, every boy and girl in the class screamed, threw their magazines on the floor and jumped on top of them. Then sat back down and smiled angelically at her because they had completed the assignment. Well, she just <laughs> burst out laughing and could barely even explain to them what had happened. And so she had to show everybody the squashed cockroach. <laughs> it's really funny. My experience is not in the ELOP class or anything like that, but it was in my freshman year and I was in the math class and I just came from Malaysia. And this is the interesting part because we were under the British English, right? So certain words are enunciated a little bit different. So here I'm sitting in class and there's a mathematical equation and the teacher keep on saying Z 
uh, a plus b equals z squared equals blah 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 and so forth and i'm like okay is this z right here i don't understand what z is because the british pronounce it pronounce it as z and right. uh yeah <laughs> so needless to say I, I just sat quiet i didn't i was like okay should i raise my hand and ask a stupid question like I don't think I belong in this class, right, if I were to raise that, my hand. So I finally figured it out. Uh, but it was sort of a, a moment of like, okay, you know, how do I react to this? Do I do I want to look like I'm the only idiot here in class that don't know what Z is? <laughs> so I can relate to that. What's your favorite story in Work Whoops? Well, the, there's another one that just makes me laugh so hard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's called The Klutz, mm-hmm. and it's by Julie DeBell. And so um, Julie um, and her family had over um, a colleague, and the colleague had warned her when he accepted the invitation to come over for a barbecue um, that his wife was a real klutz. And Julie said, oh, don't worry about it. I'm pretty clumsy myself, so we'll just <laughs> laugh it off if anything happens. So he and his wife showed up with their two kids, and um, the wife has not brought a sweater, and it turns out it's a little chilly, so Julie goes and gets her a jacket. And as the wife is reaching out to take the jacket from her, the wife knocks over all the plastic glasses that are stacked on the table. So that's the first thing that she does. Um, then they have the meal, and nothing bad happens with the klutzy you know, wife of her colleague, and then they have this um, cake that the wife actually brought with, and it's covered with whipped cream and fruit. And they eat about half of it. And then the wife is helping Julie clear the table. And Julie says, oh, no, no, I can do it. But the wife seizes the platter that still has half of this cake on it covered with whipped cream and fruit, marches up the backs of their deck, and then misses the landing and tumbles headfirst. <laughs> and the cake flies through the air explodes all over their rear deck, including getting whipped cream and fruit all over their screen door and their kitchen window. The wife is down on all fours now with whipped cream everywhere. (laughs) So she kept apologizing, and Marcel, you know, her colleague is just saying, I told you about my wife. Anyway, they they clean up all of that, and then uh, later on in their event, they decide to move indoors, and then um, it's time for the guests to leave. And so Julie mm-hmm. reminds the wife that she's wearing her jacket. And so they're chatting, and the wife is unbuttoning the jacket while chatting away and takes off what she thinks is the jacket. But it turns out the wife has unbuttoned her dress. And so... <laughs> takes off her entire dress and hands it to Julie and is standing there in her underwear. <laughs> That's pretty terrible for being a total klutz on something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, what's interesting about all this, though, when you look at it, Amy, it may not be funny when it happens, but in hindsight, we can always find humor in it. 
Oh, it's hysterical. And I'm sure that <laughs> the wife ended up telling the story on herself later because right. it was so funny. Yeah. Right. So true. Chapter eight, laughing at ourselves. Number seven, Lacey. Okay, so Lacey um, is actually a very good humor writer. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess she has a lot of embarrassing moments that she's quite willing to share. And so <laughs> one of them was that she was really excited because she was attending her nephew's soccer game. And it was like a championship game. They were competing for a spot in the semifinals, you know, and going to move out of, mm-hmm. you know, their local area. Major, I don't know if she's in Canada or the U.S., so a state championship or provincial championship. So Lacey um, got there early for this evening game uh, and was happy that she could get nachos at the concession stand because that was going to be her dinner. And she found a seat in the stands, and then she saw her nephew, um, who was number seven, and so she was waving at him enthusiastically. But he didn't wave back, so then she thought, well, maybe he didn't see me. So she stood up so that her nephew would see her, getting some cheese from the nachos on her clothes, but he still didn't acknowledge her. And then all of a sudden, a soccer ball flew into the stands and hit right on her nachos. So now Lacey was covered in nachos, you know, chips and cheese. She was a total mess. So she was mortified, and she slunk out of the stadium back to her car. And then she called her nephew the next day to apologize for being such an embarrassing aunt. And he said, what are you talking about? My game is tonight. (laughs) That sounds like someone who is not paying attention, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was very cute. (laughs) Wonderful story. Wonderful story. Chapter 9. I was a good boy when I was growing up, but this is really cool. Child's Play, Busted by Kurt Zecht. Yeah, so Kurt Zecht was the son of a pastor. So I guess he was trying to be behaved a lot or at least not get caught. Um, But anyway, his dad got a new license plate when he got a new car. The plates came in the mail, and... Chuck, being, you know, like a stupid teenage boy, sees that the license plate starts with T-T-T. So he thinks, hmm, what if I turn the middle T into an I? And the license plate says T-I-T. And since he's a stupid boy, he thinks that's hysterically funny. So he gets a piece of black tape, you know, and positions it perfectly, and it looks like, the license plate now says T-I-T instead of T-T-T. Well, his father, the pastor, sees the license plates and freaks out and ends up going to the DMV to complain. And the DMV is, you know, blaming it on a prisoner who made the plates until the DMV guy sees that it's a piece of tape and pulls it off. And then the pastor is so embarrassed um, <laughs> And anyway, Kurt's mom thought it was hilarious. Um, But anyway, that was one that Kurt didn't get away with. See, I'm a good boy. I don't do stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, just because you didn't think of it. Oh, that's true. That's very true. (laughs) 
chapter 10, not what I meant, not so reserved, Justin Hunter. This is a good one. I liked this one because I don't like it when people just bureaucratically um, Mm -hmm. impose rules and even, you know, impose them on you when (laughs) it makes no sense. Like, let's say you go to, I don't know, the bank, you know, and they have one of those long serpentine lines set up, but you're the only person there. So you don't have to go through the whole line. You could just bypass it and go right to the front and have your choice of three tellers. And then they make you go through the line anyway, you know, that kind of thing. Right. right. Um, So in, in this case, what happened was Justin went to the drive up window at the local library because he had a couple of books reserved and, you know, he'd gotten a notice. The books were, were there, they were ready for him. So he drives up to the window and the guy at the window says, did you call in advance? And Justin says, no. And the guy says, well, you're supposed to call in advance if you want to use the drive-up window. So Justin says, well, I'm sorry. Could you make an exception? I didn't know about the policy. And the guy says, nope, you're supposed to follow policy. There's an email. It was sent to you with the proper procedure. You have to call this number. So he hands Justin the flyer. Now, Justin's the only person there. There's no line of cars. The guy, is, the guy inside the library is perfectly able to just pick up his two books and hand them to Justin. So Justin picks up his cell phone, calls the number. The man inside answers. Justin says, hello, I would like to use the drive-up window to pick up my reserved books. I understand they're ready. My name is Justin Hunter. And the man inside says, I will have them ready for you. Goodbye. And then... Justin reaches over and pushes the little bell again. The librarian, you know, comes to the window and says, that is not how you're supposed to do it. So the next week, Justin went to the library drive-up window again, and this time it said, all patrons must call 30 minutes before picking up reserves. So um, Justin thought, okay, they finally put up this notice. Then Justin went inside the library because he had a book that he wanted to renew. And the librarian said, "Um, you can't just renew this because this is part of our most wanted selection, so I have to check it back in. And Justin said, well, if you're going to check it back in and then make it available again, can I just check it back out? No, I have to check it in and I have to go put it on the most wanted shelf. So Justin says, okay. So the man checks in the book, tucks it under his arm, walks over to the most wanted shelves, puts the book back on the shelves. Justin takes the book off the shelf, walks it back over to the checkout, and the man says, this is an egregious use of the most wanted section. And Justin goes, I am a bad man. So that was that. I mean, you know, <laughs> rules are meant to be broken when they're silly. <laughs> it's crazy. But I, I agree with that, though. Sometimes the rules are silly. And so you have to just take charge of the situation. <laughs> Chapter 11. Innocent. This is innocently inappropriate. So i let you set this thing up. A scene from Cycle by Sherilyn Smith. All right. So um, Sharon and her husband decided they were going to learn how to make pepper jelly. Um, So they got all the ingredients and they're making this pepper jelly. And 
her husband, Bill, who's really good with a knife, says he will chop the jalapenos. And so he chops up all the jalapenos, and while the jelly is um, simmering away on the stove, her husband, Bill, went off to take a shower. And then all of a sudden, Sharon hears this blood-curdling scream coming from the bathroom. It sounded like, you know, Norman Bates and Psycho and, you know, her husband was being attacked in the shower. And so she screamed, what's wrong? And he yelled out, I'm on fire. Well, what they hadn't realized was that when you chop up any type of pepper that has capsaicin in it, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but you're supposed to wear plastic or rubber gloves mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the the peppery stuff will absorb into your skin and you can't get it out right. by washing but, your hands. Yeah. yeah. Well, her <laughs> husband had it all over his hands and was soaping his most sensitive area, I'll put it that way. And so as he was washing himself, the capsaicin from his hands transferred onto that most sensitive area. So he's in there screaming. <laughs> Sharon is like, okay, I know... I know beer works well with spicy foods. Beer is supposed to like take the spiciness away. So she grabs a beer and she runs into the shower and she pours beer all over his most sensitive parts. And he goes, oh, my God, you're making it worse. And he's howling. So then she goes and she finds this cream that says relief from burns. And so she grabs that from the medicine chest and she kind of throws a blob of this cream on his area. Mm-hmm. And he starts screeching, no, no, it's not helping. So then she thinks, okay, dairy, dairy, sour cream. Sour cream goes well with spicy <laughs> things. That cuts the spiciness. So she grabs some sour cream, and she scurries back to the shower, and she begins, like, tossing splats of sour cream onto his most private sensitive area. <laughs> and he's starting to, like, use his hands to spread the sour cream and she's like, no, do not touch yourself anymore. It's coming from your hands. So he's there with his hands in the air like he's being held up by a bank mm-hmm. robber. And she's flinging dollops of sour cream at his <laughs> most sensitive area. And she says, after a few seconds, the decibel level of his shrieks dropped. And the sour cream had worked. And there was her poor husband standing there covered in soap bubbles, beer, <laughs> sour cream cold and shivering and he goes we will never speak of this again but of course she had to share it with hundreds of thousands of readers so thank you Sharon Smith for that story Uh, that's really 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 funny we'll never cook spicy food again for sure (laughs) (laughs) chapter 12 round trip by Eileen Chaplik Esco Elisco, is that correct? It's Eileen Chaplik Elisco. I know it's a hyphenated All last right. name. Every bit of her name is hard to say correctly. I said it incorrectly for years myself. Um, anyway, Eileen was on one of her many diets, and for once, she was actually doing great on her diet. She had gone a month without chocolate, and chocolate was her downfall and she had made her sister her accountability partner because Mm -hmm. you know if you have an accountability partner when you're on a diet it really helps because then you have to admit your accountability partner so 
her sister knew she hadn't had chocolate for a month. And then one day, Aline was running an errand from work, and she was walking down a main street in Chicago, and she stopped, you know, at a crosswalk, happened to be next to a Fannie Mae candy store. Well, Fannie Mae was her absolute downfall. So mm-hmm. she cracked, and she pushed that revolving door, already tasting the chocolate in her mind. But as she was entering the store in the revolving door, the revolving door wouldn't stop. And she found herself right back out on the sidewalk where she had started. (laughs) Her sister, this is in downtown Chicago. How coincidental is this? Her (laughs) sister had been passing by at the exact moment, had seen Aline struggling with herself, had seen her enter that revolving door, and her sister had rushed to the door and pushed it as hard as she could to keep Aline turning so that she ended up being thrown <laughs> right back out onto the sidewalk. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. It is. It's, it's, it's just, I just seeing that happening, you know, it's, it's really, really, and of course, not to mention sibling rivalry kind of thing in a way. <laughs> doing something like I know it's not rivalry but it's a sibling thing you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) can you give us a quick preview of chicken soups lineup for the next few months sure and it has been affected by the COVID-19 virus Mm -hmm. so we have out right now in addition to chicken soup for the soul laughter is the best medicine we also have Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Magic of Moms. So you can find both of these books um, for gift giving or for yourself at um, Amazon.com. You know, if you're sending it to a family member, you've got to go online. You're not going to see your family member in person. <laughs> um, but it's on sale at Walmart and Walmart.com, Target and Target.com. Um, Amazon.com, BN.com, also your local bookstore might be able to bring it out to the sidewalk for you. So that's the magic of moms. And Laughter is the Best Medicine. Those are our two new books. Now, also right now, to help people out during this crisis, we have made two very popular books free as eBooks. So our bestseller ever was the original Chicken Soup for the Soul. And when we had hit 20 years, which was mm-hmm. in um, 2013, we decided to come out with um, that book again, but add 20 new stories from you know 20 of today's popular mm-hmm. motivational speakers, people like Tony Robbins and um, Deepak Chopra, and all these people you hear mm-hmm. about today. And so... We have made the Chicken Soup for the Soul 20th Anniversary Edition free as an ebook. So wherever you get your ebooks, you can get it for free during the coronavirus crisis. We also, mm-hmm. to thank all of the healthcare workers out there, have made free the ebook of Inspiration for Nurses. So that's Chicken Soup for the Soul, Inspiration for Nurses, free wherever you get your ebooks until at least May 3rd. Um, then. In addition, we will be coming out this summer when we think everything is back to normal. In July, we'll be coming out with The Magic of Cats and separately a book called The Magic of Dogs, and these are going to be terrific. The 
just amazing <laughs> stories in them. And then in August, we have a really cool book coming out called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Listen to Your Dreams, which is all about how your dreams are your subconscious giving you guidance. Mm-hmm. So we have a really wonderful schedule coming up for the next few months. Wonderful. That is excellent. I look forward to it. What wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? I think my recipe for living today has to be a prescription from your friendly chicken soup for this old doctor, me, and that is read something funny every day. And, of course, I would highly recommend that your prescription be filled by chicken soup for the soul laughter is the best medicine, but you got to get some relief. So, mm-hmm. you know, read our book, read something else that's inspirational. I have noticed that while most podcasts are saying that their listenership is down because people aren't mm-hmm. commuting, the listenership to my podcast, the chicken soup for the soul podcast is up dramatically. And I think it's because Wonderful. people are really looking for comfort and inspiration. Right. Right. And I agree with that because the podcast that people are used to is about all these things about business, you know, and I think it's shifted right now because people are looking for something from within and self-enrichment from a spiritual standpoint of view and so forth and finding humor in oneself and one's current situation. So Chicken Soup for the Soul is the perfect, perfect match for this. So that's wonderful. I'm really happy for you. Well, Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, April 21st. My guest will be Denisa Gokovi. She's a humanitarian ambassador for several organizations and an advocate for human rights in Albania. Denisa and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her work around the world. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. As for you, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again. Stay safe and well and have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye.